You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Uh, Gospelite, I am very excited for this opportunity to get to uh, kick off our missions revival and to really get to motivate us as a church in the way of missions. How many of you uh, would consider yourself to be a busy person? Would you raise your hand? Uh, We run around like a chicken with their head cut off, don't we? Um, Before the service, I often get a chance to go around and chat with some of you, and you look a little sleepy this morning. Uh, That's that's a reality in our culture. Uh, We live tired, and when you're tired, you lose track sometimes of what you're doing, don't you? Especially if you're a gentleman in the room. Um, oftentimes I'll be driving and I'll make it all the way to the house and I'll realize I'm not supposed to be at the house. I'm supposed to be at Sam's Club. And uh, that's, that's how we live. We live constantly on the move. And if we're not careful, we can forget where we're going. If we're not careful, we can forget what we're doing. And sometimes as a church, we need to step back and get a bird's eye view of what's going on. That's helpful. We don't need to do it every Sunday. If I preached a sermon like this every Sunday, or if Pastor Capace did, uh, it'd probably be a little much. But I feel like every once in a while we do need to step back and say, what are we doing here? And that's what I want to do this morning. What are we doing here? It's important for us to understand why we're doing what we do. You know, I'm convinced this morning that the American church has watched the climax of the movie called the Bible, but oftentimes they haven't watched the introduction. They haven't understood the plot of the story. As a teacher, oftentimes I'll ask my students, how many of you have read the Gospels and Hands will go up. Everybody's read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, How many of you have read Revelation? No hands go up. And believe it or not, how many of you have read Genesis? Hands don't go up. Now, if you grew up in a church like I did, you grew up in a church where we read the Bible through every year, or we were supposed to at least. And so I've read the book of, I've read through the Bible uh, just a handful of times. I've read through the book of Genesis like 35 times. I'm 35 years old. So, Uh, That's a joke. Uh, But yeah, um, if we're going to understand the story of the Bible, we've got to start at the beginning. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. Now, most of you are familiar with the first few pages of Scripture. On the first page of Scripture, uh, God begins to create. And right off the bat, God starts in, on verse number 11, He starts creating plants. And the plants produced seed after their kind. After their kind. An apple tree, an apple tree. A pear tree, a pear tree. Got it? Good. Yeah. So plants are creating after their kind. We get down a little further on the first page of the Bible. Sea creatures. Sea creatures. Uh, God created a mommy and a daddy. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. And the mommy and the daddy had a sea creature after their their kind. Same verse. God creates birds. 
He creates a mommy and a daddy bird. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And the birds have a baby bird after their, after their kind. Same thing with land creatures. Then he creates cattle. Then he creates creeping things. My translation says creeping things. Uh, how many of you like creeping things? Okay, All of those cockroaches in your bathroom. Uh, God created a cockroach, a mommy and a daddy. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with cockroaches. Um, that's good theology right there. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened. And then finally, God creates wild animals. God creates a mommy. God creates a daddy. God says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And they had babies and the babies were after their... We got it, right? But that wasn't all. God says, let us make images, humankind, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created human beings after his kind. From the dirt, from the dust, God formed a creature and he said, these creatures are going to be like me. First of all, we learn that humans had a special position. Now, the Greek word for likeness is demut. It means to be like or to resemble. God created beings that were going to be like him. They were not immortal. They were mortal. They were not God. They were like God. He's God and he's creating creatures that are going to be like him and that are going to be his children. This is a family, isn't it? In Luke chapter 3, we see a genealogy. This genealogy, this genealogy is a little different from the one in Matthew. Uh, the genealogy in Matthew starts with Abraham and goes to Jesus. Uh, this one here starts with Jesus and goes backwards. And at the very start of the family tree, we have Adam, the what? The son of God. Isn't that interesting? Adam is the son of God. Did you know that before God created anything, God already existed? And God existed in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the three of them were in perfect harmony with one another. 
C.S. Lewis calls this the dance. Now, why did he call it a dance? Well, most of you have danced with someone before, and when you dance, you have two free wills that are submitting to each other in love. I move into her, and when I move into her, what does she do? She moves back. She submits. She moves into me, and what do I do? I move back. I submit. Before God created anything, we have three persons in the Trinity that are submitting to each other in love. And God did not create human beings because he needed us. He created human beings because he wanted us. And he invited us, are you ready for this? Into the dance. Wow. It was God's intention that you and I would be part of his family. Humans had a special position. Number two, humans had a special calling. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may what? So that they may rule. David is so astonished by this. Most of you have heard of Psalm chapter 8 before. This is one of the first Psalms that I memorized as a five-year-old boy in my house. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. From the mouths of babes and suckling. Who is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him? You have made him a little lower than the angels and you've crowned him with glory and honor. But that's not all. You didn't just crown them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Now we're going to talk about this later in the message. But David is blown away by this. Here's these creatures that you've made lesser than the spiritual beings. And yet you've given them authority to rule everything under the earth. That was the call of Adam and Eve to rule on God's behalf. That was it. God said, I'm going to make human beings like me, and I'm going to give them authority to rule. Can you imagine if you lived in a home, and you was, your family had a family business, and you start getting a little older, you're 14, 15, now you're 16, 17 years old, and you want to help out in the family business, and dad's like, no, no, Scotty, uh, you go, you'll run along, buddy. You go play with your friends. Uh, dad, I'm, I'm 18 now. I'd like to help out. No, son, I appreciate that, but go, run along, son. Uh, dad, could I, could I borrow the truck? No, 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 son. No, you run along. Boy, I'd feel like my dad didn't trust me, wouldn't I? <laughs> Did you know that God welcomes you and me into the family? And then he, he gives us responsibility. We're part of the royal family, which means we're going to rule. He is giving us authority to rule, and we're just a bunch of dirt balls. That, that's true. 
We have not entered into God's family because anything that we are, he creates us out of the dust and then he says, here's a crown rule. Wow. But that's not all. Humans had a special purpose. Let us make mankind in our image. Now, it's going to be impossible for me to explain this word image without me giving you an illustration. Are you ready? Here it is. Uh, The Hebrew word image is actually uh, salem. And this Hebrew word, it's used all throughout the Old Testament. Every time you see this Hebrew word, uh, it's going to be translated image, statue, or replica. Okay? This is what the Hebrew word salem means. And so, the missionary from Thailand brings a Lord Buddha onto the platform. I think this is the first time in the history of this church we've had an idol in the church service, okay? Oh, man. So here's the idol. Uh, This is Lord Buddha, and uh, this is a skinny Lord Buddha. Uh, Kevin and Paula, I want you to understand that uh, the real Buddha is in Thailand, not China. Uh, he was not fat. He was skinny, okay? Uh, this is an, uh, this is a what? A statue. This is a statue. And what Buddhists believe and what, what any ancient religion believed is that their God embodied the image. So if you had the image in your home, the God would bless your home, keep it safe, give you good health, you would go bow before the idol and you would, give, you would worship the idol and the, 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 the God would bless you. And this was the image of the God. It wasn't the God, but in the image was the God's glory and blessings and, and manifestation, right? But God told the Israelites, he said, I would not have you Build an image of me with wood and stone. God's already done that. God created human beings in his image. And he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with image bearers. So that every point in the earth, there can be a representative of me, a manifestation of me, a glory-bearing image that delivers God's glory to the world. That was the plan of God. Humans had a special position. Humans had a special calling. And humans had a special purpose. But if you flip over to the next page of the Bible, you're going you're gonna to find out how things went. Didn't go, didn't go too hot for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have been given a right to come into the family. They've been given a calling. They've been given a purpose. But humans obeyed the wrong father. In your handout, you see the verse right above Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. When God gave humans free will, he allowed them to choose 
who they would obey. When God gave Adam and Eve free will, he gave them the choice to say no. And when he gave them that choice, he made evil possible. But he also made love possible. Love's not possible if you don't have a choice in the matter. So God gives these human beings free will so that they can choose who they're going to follow. Now let me break this down for you in a real simple explanation. I'm going to transport you from the auditorium to the third floor of the school where I'm a teacher. Who has authority in my classroom? Someone? I do. I have authority. Uh, Who gave me that authority? Someone said Principal Tim? Noah, put your hand down. You already know the answer to this one. Cheating, you're in my Bible class. Uh, Yeah, Uh, Principal Tim gives me authority. Uh, By the way, he, along with the administration, Pastor Capace, they can fire me. They can pull me out of the classroom. I have authority in the classroom. I have authority over my students, yes? Uh, Maybe not. What if one of my students rebels against me and won't do what I say? Can I force them to do what I want them to do? I can punish them. I can give them demerits. I can even see about getting them kicked out of the school. But when they get, that, when they get kicked out of the school, have they done what I told them to do? Don't you see that the student has the choice to put themselves under my authority? And the moment that human beings chose to give Satan their authority, they became a child of the devil. Jesus wasn't joking when he said, you're of your father, the devil. And Paul wasn't joking when he said to the church in Colossae, you belong to the kingdom of darkness. Whoever you give your allegiance to, whoever you bow the knee to, that's your ruler. You have given them authority, and that is what happened when God gave humans free will. Adam and Eve chose to obey Satan. They obeyed the wrong father. Number two, they used their authority for themselves. The woman was convinced... She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some, some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Rather than trusting the father and obeying his command, they gave Satan authority in their lives. Number three, humans distorted the image of God. Now, I want you to think with me here. God has created these replicas of himself, these image bearers, and they're to fill the earth with what? The glory of God. So what happens if those images are distorted? What happens if those images are now following The kingdom of darkness. Well, all you have to do is go and read the next few pages of Scripture. 
because the whole first 11 chapters of Genesis is the spiraling out of control of humanity. These image bearers are flooding the earth with rebels. Look at Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 and 7. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. The more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols. By submitting to Satan, they took his image and likeness. That's why... Right after Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They followed their father, the devil, who's the deceiver, who's the accuser. They took the fruit, and all of a sudden they begin accusing. Nope, it was him, it was the serpent, not me. And they're acting just like their daddy. That's the story of the Bible. So often when we hear the good news about Jesus, there's a key component that is completely left out. And I'm, I'm not referring to this pulpit here because I, I thank God for Pastor Capace and Pastor Horton and the incredible job they do of preaching the gospel. But so many times in my life, I hear the story of the gospel, the story of the good news, and the incarnation of Jesus is left out. The fact that Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, who was not created, he pre-existed before creation with the Father. He was in perfect harmony with the Spirit, with the Father. He left heaven, he entered our space, and he put on flesh. C.S. Lewis says, if you want to know what God looks like, Take a long, hard look at Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the author of Hebrews says. The the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Paul tells us in Philippians 2 that Jesus took on the form of a servant. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. The two greatest mysteries in human time are that God created humans and welcomed them into his family and that God became human And we did not welcome him into ours. He came into his own. And even his own did not receive him. Here we have God becoming an image bearer. Becoming like the the dirt balls. To rescue the dirt balls. And in order to do that, number one... Jesus had to perfectly obey the Father. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, Yes, 
Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Adam was tempted in the garden. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Adam had everything he ever could have wanted to eat. Jesus hadn't had anything to eat in 40 days. Adam obeyed the devil and sent the world spiraling out of control. Jesus obeyed the Father and began to restore God's world into a new creation. First of all, Jesus obeyed the Father perfectly. Number two, Jesus ruled by laying down his life for his friends. Jesus said, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again for this is what my Father has commanded. Jesus did not rule like Adam and Eve ruled by using the authority that they had for themselves, he ruled by laying down his life for the sheep. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebels, enemies of God, the perfect, holy God of the universe stooped down and became a servant for us. Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father. Jesus ruled by laying down his life. Number three, Jesus was the precise image of God bringing glory to God and bringing God's glory to the world. Paul said to the to the church in Colossae, he said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. It was Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, that when he took on human flesh, he was now the exact representation of the Father. Jesus is the one we look to and we say, that's God. Without a fault, he perfectly brought the glory of God and delivered it to you and me. And that brought glory to God. I've got some good news for you this morning, Gospelite. Through Jesus Christ, we are adopted back into the family. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. You and I have been welcomed back into the family. Just like the prodigal son who didn't want the father, he just wanted things from the father, and he left on a journey, but the moment he saw himself and figured out that he was sitting in a a mess of pig food, he stood up and he went back home, and what happened when he got back home? He was welcomed back into the fold. God is inviting you this morning to come back home. Every one of you. He's inviting you back into the dance. Gentlemen, You've gone through a hard life. Life hasn't been fair to you. If it weren't for Jeff, you wouldn't even have a place to stay. You've made some poor decisions, but if we're honest, you've had some poor decisions that were made upon you. God wants you. He longs for you. To come back home. Brother or sister. You've gone to church your whole life. You feel like because of your righteousness. You do God a favor by coming home. You're someone special. I grew up in church and I memorized 47 chapters. That's not how you come home. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a... If you're not a wretch, grace is not amazing. God longs for you to come home and enter the family of God. And through Jesus you can. Number one... You can be restored and adopted into God's family. Number two, through Jesus, we are restored to our role as kings. Would you look with me at the last page of the Bible? On the last page of the Bible, John on the Isle of Patmos writes, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, This won't be for this sermon. I'll save this for another sermon. Uh, Did you know the Garden of Eden was on a mountain? Go read it in chapter 2. There's rivers, four of them, flowing from the garden to the north, south, east, and west. Uh, the, The garden, the lush garden, is the place that God created to live with his people. And he invited Adam and Eve into his family. And they're there in the perfect garden. And uh, we know what happened. They had to leave the garden. Uh, On the last page of scripture, we've got the garden. And we've got the water flowing from the throne of God. 
It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. And his servants, who? His what? His servants will worship him. And they, who's they? His servants will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. Who's there? The servants. And there will be no more night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord God will shine on them. Who's them? And they will reign forever and ever. Who's they? What? I thought the book of Isaiah said, And he shall reign. Okay, I can't sing. Uh, I thought the book of Isaiah said that he is going to reign forever and ever. I thought the book of Daniel said, here's the, the son of man and he's ascending on the clouds and he's seated at the right hand of the ancient of days and he's given authority to rule. I thought it was Jesus who reigns forever and ever. You guys remember Psalm chapter 8. Here's David. David says, who is, who is man that you are mindful of him. You've made him a little lower than the angels, right? You've made him lower than the angels. Where was, where was Adam on the scale here? Is he above or lower than the angels? He's lower. You all remember Hebrews chapter 1, don't you? Jesus is better than the angels. Yeah, then Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he's like, yeah, you guys are going to judge angels. Uh, excuse me, Priscilla, could you, could you read that again for us? Paul says that you guys are going to judge angels. Uh, Aquila, would you mind making a note there? We need to write back to Paul and see what he's going on here. We are going to judge angels. If you have entered the family of God, you are joint heirs with Jesus... And what belongs to Jesus belongs to you. And you and I will reign forever and ever. And that reign, it begins the moment you enter the family of God. If you have repented of your sins, if you have believed the good news about Jesus, and if you have made the decision to follow him and give King Jesus your allegiance, boom, you're part of the family, and boom, you're part of the royal family. That means get ready. It's time to rule. Jesus has enabled us to be restored to that role that he gave Adam and Eve to rule God's creation. Number three, through Jesus, we are conformed into the image, into his image, bringing glory to God and bringing God's glory to the world. Look at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Don't you see how this works? 
God created Adam and he said, I want you to be the image of God. But Adam's image was distorted because of his free choice to obey Satan. And now Jesus, the perfect son of God, comes down and takes on human flesh, perfectly obeys the father. And now he's ascended to the right hand of the father where he sits on the throne and he reigns. And through God's spirit, he's conforming you and me. He's chiseling away Ephesians chapter 2. Remember verses 8 and 9? What about verse number 10? We're his craftsmanship. He's chiseling us away. He's conforming us into the image of his son Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And listen to this. Those he justified, he also glorified. That image of yours that was to bring glory to the world that is tainted by sin... He's glorifying it. It was God's plan from the very beginning for human beings to be the instruments to bring God's glory to the world. Now, for sake of time, I won't read the quote that you have in your handout, but I want you to take it with you and I want you to read it when you get home. God is inviting people into his family And he is inviting people who will come into his family and be part of the restoration process. Wow. That means you and I, right here today, get to be part of the kingdom of God. Of restoring our neighbor. While God is restoring us. That's how you and I rule Just like Jesus ruled, by laying down our lives, by taking up our cross, by following Jesus. We're invited back in the family. We're invited back into our role as kings. And by the way, do you know who he is? He's the king of kings. That's what that means. You're a royal priesthood. And he's conforming you into the image of Jesus. All right. That was a good theology lesson. What does that have to do with anything? You know, I've been on a lot of missions trips... And we got off the big cruiser bus. And we had our Ralph Lauren clothes on. And uh, we got to go and give tracks to these third world people who don't even own a pair of shoes. We jumped off the bus and, hey, I got some, I got some good news for you. Now, your life really stinks right now. I'm sorry about that. And we, honestly, we got to catch our, our plane back home. Uh, but good news um, Your life's terrible, but someday you can live forever with Jesus. And I'm going to leave this track with you, and you have a great day. And we get back on the airplane, and we're saying, oh, dear God, would you send them someone to help them? Uh, Give them Bibles, Lord. And maybe, hopefully, we gave them a John and Romans, and maybe a missionary will come along and, and, and do what God told us to do, do what Jesus told us to do, make disciples 
I'd love to make the disciples, but right now, you know, we've got to get back. And uh, Arkansas, I'm supposed to go to the game this weekend, so I've got to let you go. And uh, God bless you, though. And we're going to be praying. We're going to be praying with you, brother. So I hope that you can, you know, become part of the family of God. What if one of our missionaries nine years ago, by the name of Mike Coop, was sitting on these very pews? And he leaned over to his wife and he said, Glenda, we're going to go. Now there's only a few of you ladies in the room who can truly understand that. Mike, are you sure? Because we've got the grandkids here and we live so close to the kids and you telling me you want to go. Yeah, Glenda, I feel like God's calling us to go. Mike Coop goes over to Haiti in the Dominican Republic and he starts, he starts helping these people. He's building buildings for them. He's buying them food. He's teaching them how to plant gardens. He's telling them about Jesus. Mike Coop comes, he meets me in Cracker Barrel. He's like, Scott, he's like, I gotta get you over there to to Dominican Republic. Okay, okay, yeah. No, 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 Scott, we gotta do it. I said, all right, when are we we gonna do it? That that gets canceled because of COVID. I call him back up, I said, let's go. He's like, you know what, Scott? He's like, we just need to make this happen. Why don't you say we just go in a couple months? I go to my calendar, I say, let's go. Take my phone, hey, Craig, you wanna go with me? Let's do it. We get on an airplane. We go over there. Unfortunately, I brought a good pair of shoes. And they got muddy. And I'm trying to not walk in the mud with my American shoes so that I can go help these these people. And over two days' time, man, I felt like I was in Thailand again. God just began to break my heart. Can you imagine what would happen if June of next year looked something like this? Jordan, our worship pastor, can you come over and teach him how to play? And we're going to buy a guitar and we're going to give it to him. Christy, can you come too? We're going to bring a keyboard over and I want you to give him the keyboard and we'll take six days and teach him. Lee Vashti, would you mind, I I know you're a busy mother of four, but would you come over and bring some canvases with you and teach them how to do art? Carrie, would you mind, we're going to buy five sewing machines and we're going to go over there and teach them how to sew. Uh, Kevin, you're such a great Bible teacher. Do you think you could come teach them the Bible? Hey, Craig, let's go over there and build them a, a real volleyball court. What do you say? Eileen, what do you think is a good camera? All right, let's buy it. Can you go over and spend six days teaching them for photography? Hey, Desi and Melody, you guys already know how to teach English as a second language. What do you, you say you guys come over for six days and teach them English? 
We're over there and they don't even have water. Oh, guess what? Craig's cousin goes to a church in Texas and there's a guy there who builds wells for missionaries. And within 24 hours, he had already agreed to do it. This is three months later, they have running water. Now, I want to ask you a, I want to ask you a question and I'm doing something here, so stay with me. The well is built. They have running water. We're upgrading their electricity. We're building them a volleyball court. We've already built them a building. We're bringing them thousands of dollars worth of equipment and teachers to train them for seven days next June. How ready do you think they'll be to hear the good news about Jesus from us? Now, don't get me wrong on two fronts. Number one, if you're going to share the gospel, it takes words. That neighbor of yours that but you've been living next to for 10, 15 years, and I just hope they see Jesus in me. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but without your words, they'll never hear the gospel message. But number two, don't think for a moment that we can just run out of town here and run up to complete strangers and boom, saved, baptized, discipled, hallelujah. Hey, that happens sometimes because other people have been planting seeds. Other people have been watering. And all of a sudden I meet this person and boom, there's the increase. But most of the time, Brother Jeremy, I know this from talking to you. Most of the time that you share the gospel with someone in here in Hot Springs, they don't come to faith in Christ right away. Let me think about that. It's a lot to process. What about that coworker of yours? You have a good reputation at your workplace and you've never shared Jesus with them. God is inviting you into the family and he's inviting them into the family and he's going to use you to bring them in. Wow. That changes things, doesn't it? Gospel light. I long to be that myself. And I'm not. Can you imagine if we had a church full of image bearers that were bringing the glory of God to the world around us? That brings glory to God. Let's pray. Almighty Father, thank you for Jesus. Were it not for grace, we would be under the domain of Satan without any hope, without any way out. There would be no redemption. There would be no salvation. There would be no eternal life, just hell, if it were not for Jesus. Father, I pray that you would begin and continue a work in us. Now, if you're under the sound of my voice and you have never repented of your sins, you've never believed the gospel, you have never come to Jesus Christ by faith for salvation, you're welcome. Come. Come today. Repent, believe, follow Jesus. If you're here today and 
That's something you've already done. If you're anything like me, you haven't been the son or daughter that you should be. You haven't been the ruler that you should be, and you haven't been the image bearer that you should be. Gospel light, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me, Gospel light? Jordan and the team is going to play up here. I want to invite you to come down to the front. If you've never followed Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. If you're sitting out here today and you're going through something extremely difficult right now and you need some prayer, I want to encourage you to come down and let the elders lay their hands on you and pray with you. In Gospel Light, if you're sitting out there and you have not been conformed to the image of God like you should, which is all of us, would you bow the knee? Would you surrender to his rule, the King of Kings? Jordan will play. You can come.